You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You push play and they'll push the limits. back and D'Angelo is dribbling water down his face because he cannot drink water like a normal person now that he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> so he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I'm just letting you know I got that drip. All right, we can see it on your shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got all that drip but can't afford some good audio. We can barely hear you. Oh, wow. That hurt. That, that really hurt. <laughs> You know what? I, I I don't even want to say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because I know the type of person you are, Tom. Uh, Michael Jordan never has won an end-season <laughs> title. Ever. You I didn't even have to. Right. I didn't at, even have at, to. Least, at least LeBron was able to get a fifth ring. Nah, it don't count. It don't count as a ring. I agree, just like the bubble doesn't count. No, the bubble does count. That doesn't count as a ring. <laughs> I'm I'm very curious where this in season tournament rank amongst trophies and uh and players' bags, if you will. I mean, I know they won a million dollars or five hundred thousand or whatever it is after taxes, but you tell me what the purpose of this in season tournament was this early in the season, because I was always told and I always thought that the reason why it was so difficult at the end of the season is because everybody's tired and it's whoever can pull through uh, who's hurting and who's like, that's what made you a great basketball player. Not the first 20 games in you have a tournament, but I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys say. Well, well I'll let time start it uh, because he's our resident basketball expert, even though he is just a one player lover and that's it. But um, <laughs> um, well, I think I, I, yeah, I think ahead. it's a cool idea, and I think – because here's the thing. You had way more people paying attention to basketball in <laughs> December than you ever have before. You give a, a lot more meaning to basketball in December. You had the players playing much harder uh, basketball in December than you've ever seen before. Um, and, yeah, obviously it's not – like I said, it's not a ring. It's not the same. I don't, I don't count it as the same because – it's just not. You didn't go out there and win a seven-game series, uh, you know, uh, against the team. But it, it was a format that we very often use to determine champions as far as, like, Olympics or, um, you know, other sports. Soccer has tournaments like this. And I think that's kind of where they're getting this idea from. Um, I think it's a cool thing. I think eventually maybe it will be a bigger deal. Uh, right now I think it was just an experiment. And I think it went well. And so how it continues to grow from here, I think we will see. Um, but, you know, it can it can never be a bad thing to be uh, the winner of a tournament that has a $500,000 prize for everyone on your team. So <laughs> I got, my question is, how do they determine the teams that are in it? Every, everyone was in it. Did, so they had pool play before this, and there everyone was in it. Uh, they played pool play games, um, and you know, based how your record was in the pool play, is who advanced to uh, the championship uh, tournament, and then the tournament, uh, you know, is 
So I think something I would be interested in knowing, obviously we won't know until people pull all these stats, and which I'm sure they're probably out there. I would like to know, were teams playing to make the in-season tournament? Like, were they sitting stars in games where it wasn't pool play and waiting for the pool play games to play their stars? I'd just be interested to know if teams actually cared enough about the in-season tournament to to set their rotations for pool play and stuff. Yeah, and I, from what I saw, I think it was. I think everybody was pretty invested in it. Um, so I think it, it. I know you guys don't watch much basketball, but did you ever notice like the funky looking courts? That, yes. So anytime that addition courts. Yes, anytime that court was up, it was a tournament game, um, and that was kind of, I guess, the way to let people know, hey, this is a in season tournament. Some of those courts were hideous. Yeah, no, yeah, not yeah. some of them. All of those courts. Yes, basically all of them. The hell are you mean? They need, and then now the fact that I, there's rumors. Well, now again, we take it with a grain of salt. But Adam Silva is talking about possibly making the finals have a crazy court too for the finals, which is just stupid. It's not appeasing to the eye. <laughs> well, it's not that it's appeasing to the eye. That's not the only thing. Like I, I just don't understand. Like, I understand what you're saying, Tom, in terms of playing meaningful basketball in December. But, I mean, you don't think that's a stretch, making an in-season tournament, uh, giving them, like, if we're going to do this, like, let's do this around the All-Star game. Like, let this take place of the All-Star game where you have this tournament edition style of basketball play. Maybe you'll now have more people watching the, 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 the games versus not watching the games. And how does this go against the 82-game record? Like, uh, if I advance and some teams don't, do I now play more games than the other team? I'm just curious to hear how they make this fair as it relates to all NBA players. Yeah, and I will say that I do not know. I'd have to look into that um, as far as how these games. I think that these games just don't count towards the standings. Um but, but wouldn't that not make sense? Because if pool play counts towards the standings, why wouldn't these? Well, because the thing about pool play is uh, at least everyone had games. So, Whereas, so okay, I guess the, my question would be, uh, is it a disadvantage because these teams played more games than the other teams did at the end of the year? Right, yeah, that would that would be something to consider. Um but, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to look into that real quick while we're talking. So, um, to answer your question, though, D, um, um, do I think the teams like it? I don't think they do. Uh, what are they going to do with this trophy? I know you've never been on, like, a cruise cruise, uh, but you get a little trophies if you win, like, a trivia or something like that, and people just throw those away. I'm pretty sure that's what these teams are going to do. Lakers may not because it's LeBron and, you know, he has to eat up that victory for an in-season tournament. But I think going forward, I don't think teams are going to care about the trophy. Yes, the $500,000 is great, but the minimum salary for the team is a lot more than that for average player in the NBA. Uh, so that's actually not even – I don't. I know it's obviously it's extra money, but they are, the minimum salary – uh, they're making would be yes you're going to make that whole thing in one game if you win the tournament for the lower end guys but again you can't win without the higher end guys carrying it. and I don't think going forward it will be as popular with the teams as it was this year 
All right, I found it. Um, so the NBA built in a block for teams that didn't make the tournament uh, where all of their schedules said to be determined. So they were assigned games for those two weeks that the tournament was going on. And then every game in the in-season tournament counts towards the regular season standings except the championship. So the championship is the one game where it doesn't count, uh, but that's the game where people can win money. So I guess maybe that's the offset. So at most, uh, teams or two teams would play one more game a year. Well, can you explain something to me then? Uh, you may not know the answer, but I saw an article about – Giannis got himself got a hundred thousand dollar bonus for just making the semifinals. Is that something that was in his contract? Is that in some of the star players' contracts, or what? Because he didn't even know about it, and they asked him as a media questions like, "Oh, how's it feel that just getting to the semifinals? You got a hundred thousand dollars from being the playing term." He's like, "I got what?" He didn't even know. It was interesting to me that he wouldn't even know that. Like, where'd that come from? Yeah, I don't know if that was an incentive bonus or if I, I saw that, but I thought that was him reacting to. He didn't realize that the winners got five hundred thousand. Um, but yeah, if it, if it was an incentive bonus, then obviously it was something that was put into his contract. But it would seem yeah. Odd but I think with his contract, they wouldn't have had the end season tournament yet, so it would right. I think I think he didn't know that the winners got five hundred thousand dollars each. Yeah, but he they said he got a hundred thousand for just making the semifinals. Uh, okay. <laughs> so that's maybe, what confused maybe, me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean it would make sense if you know you get something, but yeah, I don't I don't know about that. I don't see anything on that, but um there's your answer as far as the end season tournament schedule. And and here's the thing, it's like obviously as a LeBron fan, perfect world, LeBron wins tournament MVP, they win the finals. Because, and yet you can say all you want, but if LeBron loses, the same way people are trying to say, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, well, it's not a ring, well, it's the same way people would be blowing him up for losing another final uh, to a tournament. Now, you know that's true. Oh, yeah, there would be people out there that would do that. I would not, because I don't think the end-season tournament means anything. I think it's just a way to make more money from the NBA. I don't think it's actually beneficial for the players in any form, uh, other than that one payout for the winners. Uh, I don't think it's a big, it's a big deal for it. So, like, I well, would rip him for I losing. Was, I didn't I actually say, expect them to win. I actually thought the Bucks were going to win, and they uh, they choked it against the Pacers. Yeah, I do think that you know this is they're still going to have to you know obviously the finals and championships and that sort is what's going to matter more. But uh, I still think it's very impressive what the Lakers were able to do. You could tell, you could just tell that LeBron uh, wanted it. We're very aware that LeBron, LeBron's very aware of history and he knows that being the first to win something (laughs) is always going to be something in the record books. And let's not act like LeBron is not chasing records. And (laughs) thank you. you. At least you'll admit it. (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of fans that won't admit it. Um, I mean, as you know, as he should at this point, he's trying to you know attain his goals. But uh, you know, and, and then now seeing that all these games do count towards the regular season, these are all games. There's no way I'm watching. Even as a LeBron fan, I'm not dedicating. Oh, I gotta watch Pacers Lakers. No, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so 
I think I think it's pretty cool. I like the concept of it. I think it went well. I think it was successful. Um, you know, and and I guess we'll have to continue to see where this goes from here. Uh, but since D so so humbly brought up LeBron for me because he knew it was coming eventually. But you know, what? I went into this. I wasn't even going to bring it up. I was going to wait for when he ought to bring it up because I knew you couldn't help yourselves. D'Angelo, I want to get a little more insight for the people on how it felt getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. How was your night out in Las? Because you also had, well, it was in Las Vegas too, right? Look at there, two special nights in Las Vegas. <laughs> so you and LeBron, me. you and LeBron are a lot alike. You both had special nights in Las Vegas the past I, couple I, of weeks. I knew you was gonna say that, but <laughs> I, I I do have to thank all my friends and family. For coming out and supporting me. Hold on, hold on, hold on um, real quick. Did time go? Did he come out I, and support you? I, I I said friends and family. Oh, okay. Ones, I was yeah, 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 yeah. I said friends hey, and family. Like, time. That's like asking asking the kid at school why he didn't come to the party, knowing you didn't invite him. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> I, this is this is this is why this is gonna be a great conversation, and I'm 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 glad to have this conversation amongst my boys too. Because it's going to be very interesting what y'all think of this, Gary. Uh, I know exactly where you stand, Gary, but I, I, I'd love to hear, Tom, what you think about this. What When somebody invites you to something, what does that mean? Does that mean the person that invited you to something now takes care of everything when you travel? Or an invite just simply means, hey, I want you to come, and then you, in turn, pay your way for everything to support that person. So what does it mean when you invite somebody to something? For me, I think it depends on how you invite them. If you say, hey, it would mean the world for me, it would mean the world for me, for you to be there. And they're like, well, you know, I wish I could, I can't really afford it. And you're like, I got you. Then that's one thing. But if you're like, hey, if you can make it happen, I would love for you to be there. That's like on them to, you know, figure it out. Let me let me let me dumb it down for you a little bit, uh, Tom, and then uh, Gary, I'll give I'll, I'll ask you the same question. If I invited you to dinner time, who's paying? Uh, we're both paying our own. If I invited you to dinner, Gary, who's paying? I would say uh, we're playing Debs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> In a situation, you rich people play speaking, credit card roulette. Don't play around. We, we in, do that, but in, in a in a in a uh, normal situation, uh, I'd love to. In, hear in, a, in a normal, if it wasn't like me and you, if if time yes. asked me to dinner, I'm paying for my own. I don't expect him to pay for mine. If it's me and D, me and him are playing dibs to see who's paying for it. Right. Right. So so with that being said, if if time I invited to 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 vegas and i i knew that you couldn't afford coming to vegas what's the point of me inviting you to vegas yeah i mean that's the thing it's like uh i think you can still invite because if i know if i know you can't make it to vegas and i know that you can't make the trip and you can't afford the trip or you're working and you're doing this and i invite you Right. I honestly feel like I'm now taking on that financial responsibility through the invite on me asking you because I already know what your situation is. Right. I can I can see you I can see you feeling that way in your position where like 
especially as you as the you know uh, really rich person uh, of the podcast. I agree. Uh, he is really rich. No. God, I'm no. sure. I know. I'm sure you're used yeah. to people looking at you to cover things from dinner to you know trips whenever you go places. Um, so I can see how that would you know limit who you feel like you can invite because you're already wondering are they expecting me to cover uh, cover this? Uh, I think, and, and just so everyone knows, this is not. <laughs> so we're not talking about me and D and, and Gary right now. We're just talking in general. If if you have someone that you want to be there and you are already aware of their situation, I think you should still invite them just so they just so they know and you know that you want them there if possible. And then just don't feel bad like if they can't make it happen. You're like, hey man, I know it's it could be a lot. Um but if you could make it happen, I would love for you to be there. I just wanted you to know that. And then that way, at least they feel, you know, invited. <laughs> so my devil's advocate to that would be, okay, say you do that and you had like 30 people that you would like to be there. And you don't know if you can count on them being there because whatever they got going on, family, money, whatever it could be, already plans and stuff like that. But if you invite them people, if they don't let you know anything, you have to plan. They're all going to be there. Like you can't not plan for them not to show up. So like, I think that puts more of a burden on you inviting all these people, especially if they don't let you know for sure if they're coming or not. If they're like, Hey, I'll let, I'll, I'll, I may make it. I may not. I don't know. I got to figure out how my situation is. Cause you know, a lot of people are like that. They may be like, Hey, I don't know at this moment, but maybe I'll be there. Maybe I want, well, if using D for that example, if he said he had 30 people, he has to plan 30 people are coming. He has to yes. think that they're all coming because he sent all those invites, and well, they may set, or may not gotta, show up. You gotta set a deadline. You gotta set a deadline. Like, hey, if you're going, let me know by this date because I gotta have, you know, tickets for the show or whatever it is. However they did it, I gotta know by this date. If you're, I mean, because most people that that's even a thing. Like, where you know, if you're already worried about them being able to afford, they're gonna need to buy their plane tickets and stuff. What you know farther in advance uh, than you know your average football player <laughs> that could probably buy a ticket to go somewhere tomorrow if they wanted. You know, uh, most people that are in a, a state where they the, the financial side of it might be a question are going to have to plan. So you you should be able to to know in a good amount of time if they're going to be able to go or not. All right, so here's a question for you off the same sort of topic. Um, if you are somebody who doesn't have the means and you get invited and it's something as prestigious as that, like some super prestigious award type thing, are you doing anything in your power to get there? Especially if they're super close or are you just chalking it up? I can't do it. Like when do you, I guess what, what does it have to be for you to make a sacrifice to decide, Hey, I know it's going to be a struggle for me, but I got to be there for this person. Is there, is there a certain thing has got to be or what changes that attitude or that mindset? Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's life is, you know, different for everybody and there's different things that can pop up. Um, but I, the, way it, the way it seems to me is like, you know, it just depends on how close you are with someone um, and what it is. So, like, for example, uh, 
you know, I have a, anytime you have a friend that gets married, you know, and uh, you, you shut everything down to go wherever their wedding is, you know, that's a lot of money, especially if it's, if you're traveling, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, if you're, you're flying out your family or if you're putting your whole, so, yeah, you know, because that's a once in a lifetime, hopefully, uh, situation. <laughs> Same thing yeah. with this, like, you know, Hall of Fame uh, induction thing. That would, that's something that doesn't happen. And I would consider that at the same level as, you know, like a marriage or or something like that, where it's like I was, pretty I was high up say there. That. I was going to say that. So here's here's how I feel about, and this is completely unrelated, but it is related. And I, I honestly feel like this. If you get invited, and, and I will die on this hill uh, a million times. I honestly feel like this. You know that meme where it says, where it's uh, uh, the guy from uh, Tangled, and he has all the knives to him, and they say, what opinion will get you in this situation? And it's him under all the knives. You know the memes? This is that opinion that's going to get me in front of all the knives. If somebody asks you to be a groomsman or a bridesmaid, and you can't afford to be a groomsman or a bridesmaid, do not accept the position. I agree with that. Do you agree with that, Tom? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. You're just going to make it happen. <laughs> what, what do you mean you just got to make it happen? No, if he says if you get a, like if you get picked as a groomsman or a bridesmaid and you can't afford it, you got to figure it out if you're going to accept that position. You don't get an option of backing out after you accept it. Right. Is that I, I feel the same way with uh, I feel the same way with how we view um, invites. Um so if I if I invited you and I said or you invited me time and you said, hey, uh, D, you want to go to lunch? I'm one of those that if you invite me somewhere, I'm assuming that you're paying. I'm assuming that you're paying only because when I send out an invite, you assume that I'm paying. So as a result of it, I don't I don't send many invites when somebody said, hey, they coming. I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I really appreciate that, man. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the support as opposed to sending out an invite because invites can get real nasty, not because of the position that I hold or the position that Gary holds. It's just that there's room for error a diff- or, a diff- or a different interpretation, a different interpretation. And I don't feel like. In invites, I should have to come with tags because if I come with tags, then you also now think that I think something different of you, which I don't. I'll give you a case in point. So if I came to you and I said, hey, man, I really want you to come to this, but I'm not paying for you. You're going to be like, well, damn, man, I didn't want you to pay for me anyway. Well, I have to say that so you understand what this invite entails. So I'll give you even like with that situation you're just talking about, like, Time, I know you'd said like, oh, if you invited and they don't have the money, you maybe they could expect you to pay it. But again, I, I think all that's by perception, based on your perception of that person. Because if like if you use D in the situation, everybody <laughs> knows who D'Angelo is. He played in the NFL. He had he made money. So you're assuming because he has money, he'd pay for it. Imagine if it was just a random college football player who was really good at college tore his knee as soon as he finished and never got to play in the NFL, he goes to this event, gets inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame, and invites people to come. Well, now, he doesn't have money to pay for it, so I don't think people would expect that person to cover it. 
and pay for an, like an invite type thing if somebody didn't have money because he didn't play in the NFL type stuff. But like the fact, I think the whole perspective changes because they only look at the title or what your job was and they can't separate the two. And I think that's probably the biggest issue, just like when he was talking about invites. Like if if D invites somebody out or not even D, not me or D. If somebody with money invites somebody out for dinner, usually if because they have money, the other people may be like, oh, yeah, well, thank, I appreciate it because they think they're just going to get covered. But that should never be in anybody's thought, no matter who invites you. It, you should, it should go in. You think you're paying for your meal. And then if it gets brought up, how you want to do the check and that person decides I'll, I'll cover it. Okay. Then you thank them, but you should go in any situation. If you get invited that you think you have to cover your own way or your own meal. And I think that's just, that's just a perception that people have or thought they have when they, if somebody has makes more money than them in any field, it can be an engineer and somebody right. who, who any field, they just feel like, okay, they make more money. They should cover it. I don't think that should be anybody's mindset. But it, it, right. unfortunately, that's what it is a lot of the time. Right. What What if? Let's flip it a little bit. What if I invite you out and you bring your whole family? Then I should cover my own family. You shouldn't <laughs> have to a, do anything. So now let me tell you something about <laughs> invites and how that works. If I invite <laughs> Gary, if I invite Gary somewhere, and Gary brings somebody with him. Gary is responsible for whoever he brings Correct. with him. In fact, I'm going to be pissed off at Gary because I didn't tell him bringing somebody <laughs> because he didn't tell me to begin with. And that's it's like it's hard to use me and D's relationship because if we go somewhere, we're like, hey, I'm bringing so and so or is all right if I bring so we're actually asking before we do it. So like it's we don't just assume it's all right. That's just because it's me. That's how me and him are. Like most people don't do that. Most people, if they want to bring, they don't bring somebody and surprise you. you hey, hey let's go grab something to eat. Let's go catch up. It's been a long time. We haven't seen each other since high school, whatever. And then they bring their significant other or their kids. And you're like, damn, I thought it was just going to be us hanging out. <laughs> Gary, what are you going to do the first time that D'Angelo surprises you with Romeo? <laughs> I already we already uh, this already happened. It didn't surprise me, but we we all saw each other. Yeah, we're all in a group text, and um, I will just say the kids sat with me. They didn't sit with Rump, though. So when you go to <laughs> That's Vegas, all I'll say I gotta ask you this: When you go to Vegas, do you find out where you are at in the friend hierarchy for D'Angelo? Does it like because you know you kind of find out at weddings uh, based on where you get put in at, at the you know wedding. Uh, you really best do, man, you really doing this time. This is what you're doing. So I, I will, uh, I will <laughs> say, I sat with the wife and kids. I was the only one that did as not a uh, godfather. <laughs> Sorry, I had something in my throat. Um, wow. The wife and kids. And then, Gary, uh, are, Gary, are you crying? I probably <laughs> the most amount of time with the wife and kids as well. Oh my God! <sighs> this is really happening. Not, I'm just not saying too much, but this is this is really happening. Like, is, is that a cut on your hand because you punched the wall because your feelings were so I hurt? I can't. I'm sorry. I can't show you that. No, no comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about the um, <laughs> No, uh, it's funny because uh, these uh, cousin brought up the Godfather, and he knows he didn't know it was a sensitive subject. Uh, so he brought, oh, Gary, it's probably great you're a golfer. I'm like, oh, it's funny you say that. 
<laughs> I'm not a godfather with any of the kids. Uh, oh. It is unbelievable. And then you just heard silence in the room because uh, oh. you knew it was coming. <laughs> ah, yeah, man. They, See, that's what you say. That's because you're you're their actual father. Remember, that's Gary's <laughs> joke. It's uh, it has been quite some time. Uh, I do again want to thank my friends and family for coming out and supporting me. Uh, it was definitely a, a eye-opening experience, and it was it it gave off great Gatsby vibes. Everybody was in tuxedos. Gary did that thing that I hate so Freaking much, where terrible. he doesn't play his damn t-shirt, his shirt all the way up, and has nope. his tie on. It was just unbelievable. He got he got uh recognized as Tim Tebow. That's always good. I one thousand. It's I'll tell you the story real quick. <laughs> what happened? So uh, of course you're not. They don't. They're not supposed to do speeches up on the stage, whatever. But they happen to bring Tim Tebow, Derek Johnson, and uh, Paul Johnson, I believe, coach from Georgia Tech. And they all three got asked questions and they talked and they basically spoke for the Hall of Fame class, which. Made no sense to me because um, they asked him about personal stuff, not about the, the group of men that were getting inducted. So it was a little confusing to me. But as we're walking back to the hotel room, uh, a lady comes up to me and she's like, hey, your speech made me shed tears. I'm very appreciative. I got to hear it. I'm like, as soon as she started, I'm like, I'm not Tim Tebow. She says, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I am not. I was not on the stage. I am sorry. I'm not Tim Tebow. I said, yes, we may look alike. But I'm older than him, so he looks like me. Uh, and um, I'm not Tim Tebow. But she didn't want to believe it for the longest time. But then she's like, okay. <laughs> but it was it was funny. That did happen. That is a hundred percent. I mean, true story. there's there's a lot more there's a lot worse people you could uh, be mistaken and, for. And it's not. only because <laughs> when I do my like I told D this. If I have a hat on, I look one way. If I have my hair as it is now, I look another. If I do my hair up with gel, it looks completely different as well. So I have three so different looks. I'm laying on the bed watching TV, and he's saying this to me, and I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" He like he goes in the bathroom, and he comes out, and I go, "Oh, I see," because he put like some gel. He's like, "I told yeah. you." Yeah, it's a, it's completely like... different. It literally changes my whole demeanor and how I look. If a hat is on versus not gel and then gel, it's so weird. It, it really like is. right now, I would never could, be confused. Could you walk off real quick and put gel in your hair and come I, back? I don't have any gel. I borrowed the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you borrowed wear, kids gel? Yeah, I don't wear gel very often, so <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't go anywhere. I wear a hat if I go somewhere right now. Um, if All I, right, go find. I, I'll go, go find look. Go find go a hat to put on. Okay, go I'll, I'll, I'll go see if on. I can find something. Y'all handle it for a second. Yeah. So. So Tom, so you got the invite to to Vegas. Uh, you show up, you get to Vegas. You're thankful for being there. You're there to support me. Um, what what are your requirements once you get there? You got there on your own dime to support me. Like, do you think because you're supporting me that I should um, make it a point to acknowledge you? Or do you think um, uh, just because you got the invite don't mean that you should get special recognition? No, yeah, I don't. You get yeah. what I'm. You get what I'm asking right. here. Well, I think I think we're just. It's I, again. I think uh, it's kind of like a wedding. You uh, talk to whoever's big day it is, aka being you. Hey, what's the plan for these day or two while we're in town? What are we going to be doing? When do I need to be where? Um, outside of that. You know, I think you're able to do 
your own thing. Do whatever you need to do. And then um, as far as recognition, uh, I don't think you need to recognize every single person that showed up. You can do a blanket statement like, I want to thank everybody that showed up this weekend. You don't have to name every single person by, you know, by name. That's just going to be too much, I feel like. But, uh, I mean, what do you think? Well, I, I, I don't think you should get any special recognition regardless of who you are uh, or what position you play in that person's life. Uh, I think a support uh, shouldn't have to come with uh, appreciation. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. If I came to watch you, Tom, uh, for whatever reason, I don't think that you should have to do a speech to appreciate me or anybody that came to support you because – this is something that should happen organically because we're friends and you should be used to me supporting you for things. So it shouldn't be a, Hey man, I really appreciate you in particular for coming as if I had to do something special in order for me to be here because it's your day at the end of the day. And I'll give you a case. Of yeah. Point. Gary, Gary went on a cruise. He went from a cruise to uh, coming to Vegas and he went from Vegas to to uh, a shoot. But with that being said, there was a lot of people like, man, Gary's like, you know what I'm saying? He's a warrior. He did this and he did that. And I said, I don't give a damn what Gary is. <laughs> hey, he, he don't get he doesn't get a kudos for going through like he did that on his own. We have had conversations about this. He decided that he wanted to be this nomad and wanted to go on all these trips and do all these things. Uh, was I expecting this? Hell yeah. I was expecting him to show up and be jolly and be happy. And like, I'm not giving him appreciation for the things that he's gone through to get to, to seeing me because those are things that he wanted to do, not things I asked him to do. <laughs> you see uh, what but, I'm saying? But, but so I, why but why I should I have to appreciate something that he wanted to do on his own? And the thing is, I don't even need his appreciation. I get it from everybody else. I'm good I with hate that. You. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Uh, so I, I don't have gel time. Uh, I did get a hat. So what we'll do is next week, I'll definitely put on gel for you. I'll get gel before so you can see that. But I'll do the hat first. All right. As you guys cannot see. Wow. This is a completely different look. You kind of like okay. Forrest Gump. Which I'll take. Yeah. And, and I've, I've heard that. So then I can go this way. Yeah, backwards is totally different for sure. I've seen you wear backwards a hat backwards. Backwards is another look. That's another so funny because I think I've seen you wear your hat backwards more often than anything. You do look totally different with a forward hat. Correct. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Now, next week when I pull out gel, you'll see a whole nother look. It's crazy. It, it blows my mind because I don't understand it either. But I look completely different in all the different looks. That's this is funny. just my normal look because I don't go anywhere. This or a hat. D, can you put gel in your hair for us next week? <laughs> no, I, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way, man. See, see the way my hair work is whether it's up, down, in a hat or not in a hat, it's the same look for me. Gary just got one of those, those perceptions where he looked like Joe Goldberg when he have a hat on. He looks like Bill Goldberg when he don't have one on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's there's different will, looks that he can obtain that I can't. I will give you a funny. And you story. look like Whoopi Goldberg. 
That's racist, but I guess we'll take it. Uh, Damn, can we can we say that on the podcast? Now? We can say whatever we want. Hey, it was. Hey, it was. A, no, that, it, was it all, doesn't work like that. It was only Goldberg I could think of, and it worked. I, I gave him permission rich. because I'm one and a half percent black. I gave him permission. Oh, That's true. Um, but uh, I will give you something funny that happened at the event. Uh, Indeed knows this uh, already, but um. I was very pissed at the event, and I was trying to make D lose his shit out on the <laughs> stage. I was trying to make him laugh, anything to draw attention to him on the stage. Because, for one, we're at a black tie event. We're serving you food, drinks. All they freaking have is wine and water. That is it. I don't drink either of those. But they want me to eat this food, but don't give me a drink. I was losing my shit. To D on the phone. And at first, I texted him. He ignored me. He didn't answer my phone because he didn't have his phone. So I had to text his other phone. And I'm like, D, don't ignore me. He's like, I don't have my other phone. I'm like, I know. That's why I text this one. And then I just started. I'm going to flip tables over here if I don't get me a damn Coke. I'm going to do. I'm going to cause a scene. He's like, don't embarrass me. Still (laughs) my scene. Like, I was losing it because I had. How am I supposed to eat without a drink? Like, what are we doing? This, they've got all you, this money for this event, and all they give you is wine and water? What if Gary, you don't drink you alcohol? Drink water? How water? do you not drink water? Water uh, or he, steel. I can't mess with that. Say, wait, wait. Did you just say what? Water <laughs> or steel. I can't mess with did that. Did you say water or steel? Yeah. <laughs> Gary, are you trying to say that you're... you're, you're, you're I'm made of steel! <laughs> No, you're, you're more like you're more like the Tin Man because you don't have a heart. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, that's that. Uh, that's uh, yeah. But I don't see how you just not drink water. You have to drink water. At least. I never drink. I'll drink flavored water. They didn't give me a choice. They didn't give me no Mio to drop in my water. It was plain well, if, if you're water. that picky about your drinks, you have to carry your own Mio around with you. I was told there was an open bar, and there wasn't. So oh. I didn't get a drink. So I ate a whole freaking meal without a drink, and then I went and got three drinks when I left to go to my hotel room. What's your go-to drink, Gary? Um, well, I like Coke, obviously, but my D is the same way. He likes cream soda. I like cream soda. Yeah. Growing up, my favorite drink was Dr. Pepper, but I don't think anything can handle a ice cold Coke. Nothing like that's just that's that's the Coke trap. or Pepsi. Coke. Oh, Gotta that's be Coke. Cool. That's the problem with cruises. Carnival has a deal with Pepsi. All they have is Pepsi on it. And, oh, God, I hate Pepsi. It's just too sweet. Pepsi's too sweet for so, me. So can, can can we switch gears just a oh. little bit? Because we, okay. we have to talk about this. I don't give a damn if y'all want to or not. But we're going to talk about it. So the greatest in the world return to wrestling. Um, and CM Punk. Shawn Michaels? I'm about to say, Roman Reigns has been out for a little bit, and, but I wouldn't say he returned. CM Punk, the greatest <laughs> of all time, has returned. My question to you we is... We know you don't believe that. There's two questions. There's two questions. One, what do you think about his return? And two, as a creative director in WWE, who do you feud him with first and why? Go ahead. Seth Go ahead, Rollins. Tom. Why? Because I think that's what they're doing anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I, just, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's 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 hard to say just because. But I think Seth Rollins. You know, it's funny because I feel like Seth Rollins, they kind of look alike. 
a little bit to me. Um, and I think Seth Rollins is one of the best currently on the roster when it goes to like telling the story or um, in ring ability just in general. So that's where I start. Um, I don't want to see Seth Rollins because I think they'll bury Seth Rollins doing it because they're going to try and get CM Punk over. And I don't think Seth Rollins deserves that. Um, I think CM Punk's first feud he should lose, personally. Um, I was wrong. I said I didn't think he was coming back. I didn't actually see it because I was indisposed at the moment, so I didn't get to see the match and him actually show up, just literally walk out of the curtain after it was over. Pointless comeback, I guess. Uh, I would like to see him feud with L.A. Knight and see him punk come back as like a villain, a heel, like go against LA Knight and see the battle of the mics. And then you have, you put LA Knight over and then you eventually give LA Knight a chance to get a title somewhere because they're ruining him. Like he's the hottest wrestler right now and they aren't doing anything with him. They keep having him, they've had him lose to Roman Reigns. Like, and they need to let Roman Reigns lose. It, it's getting dull. Other than Roman Reigns fans, everybody is over it. Uh, and there's not a lot of Roman Reigns fans out there other than the guy that's on this podcast, really. Um, God. The, the thing is getting very stale right now. And if they have him lose to his, one of his cousins or whatever, I'm good with that, too. But they just got to get the title off of him. Because I saw a stat the other day where Roman Reigns has only wrestled like 50 times this year or something. That's outrageous. And they said uh, in that I, it was a crazy stat because it talked about Hogan's reign when he was champion and the title matches he had, he had like 813 title matches. Roman Reigns had like 200. It's outrageous uh, how much he doesn't have to wrestle. It's just, it's just annoying because the storyline's drawn, gone too far. It's if he's going to like, if you want to put a match against the rock at some point, you don't have, you don't need the title on Roman Reigns for that to be a good match. Uh, because well, I think, don't you think part of that is just we're in a different world today? Back then, you know, you couldn't there, – there just wasn't as much access to the wrestling matches. So Hogan was going around wrestling in front of each crowd because that was the only chance they got to see him defend his title, whereas now it's like it's on TV. It could be, but it, I think it just – it does a disservice to the fans that Roman Reigns has only wrestled like 50 times. Okay. So like, I, I know y'all going to argue about that for quite some time. I do disagree with you, Gary, and I also disagree with you as well, Tom. Uh, L.A. Knight is not the most over wrestler in all of wrestling or WWE today. It's Dominique Mysterio. So with that being said, that's who I would love to see uh, CM Punk feel with only because he is the biggest heel. And I'm going to say this again. The biggest heel ever, all time, even worse than the Sheik, only because of the angle that he went with in 2023. We're not talking about uh, pin uh, nationalities or cultures or anything like that against each other. We're talking about a father-son relationship that was completely exploited by Dominique Mysterio. So... I think that they should have him feud with Dominique Mysterio to kick it off because Seth Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, those are WrestleMania matches. Those are pay-per-view matches that you want to get down the road. If you go ahead and you extort those right now, there's nothing else left. But, so let's start him from the bottom and work him up. I On my way in the next three or four years, he'll feud with LA Knight. He'll feud with Seth Rollins. 
He'll feud with Roman Reigns. But to start off, we're going to kick him off with uh, Dominique Mysterio because nobody likes him. He is the biggest heel in WWE. And he just dropped the belt. And I think he dropped the belt for that reason. Yeah, but don't you think he loses some momentum if he keeps losing? Yeah, but his, his his next loss will be against CM Punk, and then after that, you won't get that anymore. See, and I would CM say, Punk, I, and and the reason why I think it's a it's a big deal is, and this is how you set it up: you have Seth Rollins, or you have you have Seth Rollins out talking. Uh, CM Punk comes out, and you know he says what he says. They kind of go back and forth, and then Dominique Mysterio comes out, and him in the Judgment Day, they kind of. Uh, make their way down because they've already had the conversation with uh, Randy Orton when he first came back and he said he was daddy and he was back. So you you, you throw him off by giving him Dominique Mysterio. You have a few with Judgment Day. Have Randy Orton also have that same issue. And maybe throw in a little bit of L.A. Knight if you want to. But I don't think they're creative on that side to look at it from that point. See, I don't disagree with uh, feuding with Judgment Day, but I would think it would be a better feud with Finn Balor. What? Because mm. Finn Balor's character is not going to matter if he loses or not. I think if you want to keep Dominic such a heel, you don't destroy that momentum. So you could have him beat Finn Balor. Finn Balor is not going to affect him, change anything with his character because he's still the leader of Judgment Day. And I would assume like Damian Priest and Randy Orton are eventually going to have a feud. I think I just don't think Dominic Mysterio is a good enough wrestler to be in a match with CM Punk because CM Punk's going to have to carry it. I don't know if CM Punk's ready to carry. He hasn't wrestled in what, six months. And then he had 10 years off between before his year in AEW. I think you'd want to have him with somebody that is a more, a better wrestler to risk any. So you don't have to risk any like botches because Dominic Mysterio is still learning. He's not a really good wrestler yet. I think Finn Balor is a good enough wrestler. You can have a good match, and he can lose, and it's not going to affect Finn Balor. And you're still, you can still throw in Dominic if you wanted to, so you keep that heat. Like you can make it where Dominic jumps on CM Punk and keeps the heat, but he's fighting Finn Balor. And like if you want to build to that, you could. I don't think you throw it out the gate because then you destroy a lot of that heel credibility of Dominic. I know I you just don't it. want to agree that I that you like it. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just I just know that you can't start him off with a hot celebrity superstar uh, out of the gate because if you start with that many, then you really eliminate all the possibilities of CM Punk. Um, because if you start with Seth, you start with Roman Reigns, then what are you in? Like, there's nobody bigger than those two right now in WWE. So then it's just uh, you're just going downhill. But now if you start with Dominic Mysterio, you still start with somebody that has a name. You still start with somebody that got a lot of heat on them because we all know that the the CM Punk that's coming into WWE today is not going to be heel CM Punk. You're going to get babyface CM Punk because um, heel CM Punk right now probably wouldn't be the best fit for WWE with what they have going on right now. Roman Reigns is somewhat of a heel. Uh, Seth Rollins is kind of... Seth he's Rollins is... He goes both, yeah, both he's, ways he's, on that. He, he's, I'm going to tell you who he is. He's Stone Cold Steve Austin. When Stone Cold Steve Austin was going through the 90s, we didn't know. We we loved him. We didn't know if he was heel, not heel. But, like, he went both ways, so we just rocked with him because we liked his attitude and what he brought to the table. Yeah. So that's that's who he is right now. So with that being said, you got Dominique Mysterio, who is the Iron Sheik, 
everybody that came back in those days and those time periods uh, that that when they made a mark, when they came back as babyface, they would face the biggest heel in order to get the crowd pop. Everybody kind of was excited about it because they like, oh, yeah, now you're going to get put in your place. And I think this is this is a great way to start him. Finn Balor, he doesn't have that, Gary. He doesn't have the that heel presence. He's well, a good wrestler. You, well, what you do is you do something where he has to bring back the demon. That's where you get that pop. Because everybody, whether Finn Balor is bad or not, everybody loves the demon. And then now yeah, he's, but, he's the demon, and you can make it where it's a villain demon. where Because he, he already changes. He doesn't do the same moves when he's a demon versus when he's Finn Balor. It's like you could do yeah, something like that, and you could build up to that type of match versus Finn the Balor, demon, Finn Balor, skills are not where they need to be in order for him oh, to I agree, but neither is Dominic. Dominic... Well, Dominic, well, Dominic, well Dominic doesn't. So, so this is the this is the true beauty about being a heel in WWE, Gary. I don't necessarily have to speak on the same level know, Roman as Reigns. CM Punk. Correct. I don't Roman have Reigns to speak on. Speak. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Roman Reigns doesn't speak, but Paul Heyman does. Correct. What I'm what I'm saying is, is I'm not saying put him with a manager. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is Dominique Mysterio has set a precedent to where he doesn't have to talk. All he has to do is react. Uh, what does he do? He attacks CM Punk's family members or something like that where he brings them on. So you can uh, you can abuse me on the mic, but because I've set that precedent so far right now to where I could do whatever I want to do and still maintain my heel form. So Dominique Mysterio, like maybe CM Punk drops like a – uh, hammer on him or like he's beating him on the mic and then Dominique Mysterio just kind of like start welling on him or or brings out one of his kids or brings out AJ Lee or you see what I'm saying like he has that potential now to where I know I'm gonna lose on this mic but I'm gonna do so much crazy stuff where it's like ooh, I'm competing with you because I have that heel background to support me yeah no I can understand that I, I, I don't think I don't I think, Finn think Balor Finn has that. Like the Judgment Day, all as a whole, I don't think have it. Like Rye Ripley, I, I I mean I understand what she's doing. I mean, but at the same time, I mean Randy Orton kind of crushed her, and he's not even that great on the mic. Um, he's okay. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 all interesting to see where where they're gonna go with CM Punk. I am glad that he's back. Uh, Gary, you 100% said that he would never come back. I did. I was wrong. Never say never. I, I guess hell froze wrong. over. I was wrong. I guess hell froze over. I was wrong. Yeah. It doesn't happen often, but I was. I, I, you you don't understand how <laughs> satisfied I am to hear you say that you was wrong. <laughs> well, uh. if I can switch us over to something else I've been wanting to ask you guys about because there's a lot of controversy going on. I even text y'all we need to have an emergency podcast, but y'all are way too busy to deal with us peasants. What did y'all think about college football? Did the committee get it right by leaving Florida State out? Or does Florida State have every have every right to be pissed and um, they should have been in there? You got it, D. Go first. Look, I'm going to tell you something about this. I, mean, I know, this, I, I know this, Memphis doesn't really know much about – you know, playoffs and championships, but we still want to hear your opinion. 
That's wild. <laughs> it's wild that you would say that, knowing that you don't know anything about it either. You've heard exactly. about it. You've heard you you've heard about it. Like what's crazy is is out of the three people on this podcast, there's only two that actually had a legit chance. And the one that's never had a chance is the one that's calling out. That's, <laughs> that's wild right. to me. Get I will, I will say I will say time, you do know where the head coach from Florida State came from, right? Where'd he come from? He was Memphis's head coach. They both no, no, from Memphis. I'm gonna tell you what I found out at this <laughs> this uh, at, at at in Vegas when I was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. I did not know that the head coach at Oregon was the offensive coordinator at Memphis when we went to the Cotton Bowl. He Lanning is the head coach at Oregon now. So we're we're going through. Uh, and I, I don't watch college football unless it's the University of Memphis. I, I'll admit that. So when I'm getting inducted to the Hall of Fame, Landon came over and I'm, I give him a hug. And I'm like, hey, man, what are you doing here, dude? You know, it's been a while since I seen you. He was like, oh, one of my quarterbacks is here to win an award. I was like, one of your quarterbacks? Who? He goes, Bo Nix. And I go, what? Like, Bo Nix at Oregon, Bo Nix? He goes, yeah, man. He was like, I've only been the head coach there for the last couple of years. And I go, really? He goes, yeah. I, I go, oh, well, how do you like it? <laughs> and so we, we went in the conversation, but I found it funny because there's a lot of people from Norvell staff that was at Memphis that have gone on and done some amazing things at other colleges. <clears throat> so with that being said, um, there's always universities and there's always people that's going to be mad about uh, the college playoffs and the BCS with four. I'm trying to figure out and get a better understanding of who wants to make it 12. Uh, those are an extra four or five games that I don't think that college football needs. I think that the two games that they have so far are the two games that they need to stick with. Here's why. You have four teams. Well, you have, what, 200, 300 teams battling for those four spots, and those four spots are very sacred. And not only are those four sides very four spots very sacred, we all know that at the end of the day that there will be an SEC school in those four spots. I don't give a damn if every SEC school lost three games. We know that out of that conference, there's going to be a team that's going to play for the national championship out of the SEC. We all knew that going into it. When Alabama won that game against Georgia, it was just a matter of, who was going to have enough interest? Was it Georgia? And everybody was like, oh, okay, it was just enough Alabama. Or was it going to be Alabama at the end of the day? They will not leave an SEC school out because the fan base at an SEC school, uh, unless it's Michigan or Ohio State, there's no other team that can touch them in terms of attendance and, and their support. So especially Alabama and Georgia the last two or three years. So with that being said, I – have found it to be annual that there's going to be a couple of teams every year that's pissed off that they didn't make the BCS championship playoffs. Um, if you go 12 teams, I think you're putting way too many teams in and you give them just enough time to lose their luster. Like I, I I'll say this and I'll say this until I'm blue in the face, very similar to that uh, golden state team uh, that broke, uh, the, the the Chicago Bulls record. There's not many teams that can beat certain teams out in seven games. So if you're telling me that you're getting the best of the best 
and you're putting them in a 12-team bracket. It's just going – it's a game of chance from that standpoint. It has nothing to do with its injuries. And then not only that, Florida State didn't even have a starting quarterback. So in, in order for them, you, you're going to put them in the, the top four? I understand why the BCS uh, playoffs want to stay out, and I'm okay with that. And I do okay, so – I am still a little softer than Bell left. So I'm glad that it was Florida State that got left out. And they were the ones that didn't make the playoffs versus them making it. I have to deal with the shit that comes with uh, and coach making it to the playoffs. Two or three years, I don't even know. Yeah. All right. You're that salty, Oh, yeah, I'm that salty. I hold grudges. Damn right. <laughs> he is. He is. Um, and my point, I'll I'll dive in a little bit of what D said about the twelve games. I think it's a joke. <laughs> um, you're going to see more and more players sit out because why risk? If you if you're a first second round pr- uh, prospect, you're not playing in five more games if you're in the playoffs. You're just not going to do that in college because you're risking injury. It's just the stupidest thing ever. Those teams don't deserve it. As it's even in the, if you even want to look at the previous years of the college BCS playoffs right now, when it's been four teams, the average margin of victory is 17 points. They're not close games. Only the championship games have been close, which is the two best teams. The other two teams didn't deserve to be in there. And you're going to add all these extra teams that don't, you're telling me a number, I'm even going to say it. If Louisville was 10, they would got beat by Alabama. Like it's just they're not that good yet. They're they're not on the same level. A Liberty is not on the same level as Michigan. These teams aren't good enough to be there. They should not be benefiting if all these other players sit out. Imagine there's a 10 seed because or a 10 seed upsets a one or two, whatever it would be, because they're all their best players sit out because like I'm we're not playing in this. We're getting ready for the draft. That's just stupid. But if it was a regular thing, they may play. But why would you risk it if you're a prospect? <coughs> why would you risk it if you're a prospect for the NFL? You wouldn't do that. It makes no sense. As for this one, I have no problem, like D said, with Florida State missing it. Uh, if you want to look at it, strength of schedule, Florida State had the least strength of schedule. They didn't have as much tough talent. Teams always schedule cupcakes, Division II teams, University of Chattanooga, stuff like that for their open games when they're not in conference. Now you're getting penalized for doing that. I, I think that's how it should be. You should have to play good teams. Alabama played Texas the first game of the year and lost. It's the only game they lost. Now, they look terrible in the first few games. The end of the year, they, look quite, they literally look like the second-best team in the NCAA behind Michigan. And they proved it when they beat the second best team in Georgia. Like Washington, I think Washington and Michigan were guarantees. I understand why they put Texas. Do I think Florida State should have been over to Texas? Probably. But Texas beat Alabama. They didn't want to have to deal with Alabama made it and Texas didn't. So I understand why they did. Um, obviously, it wouldn't even been a question if Florida State's quarterback didn't get hurt. I think that has to play a factor because I think Florida State would get hammered by any of those teams. They just don't have an offense. And it showed when they played Louisville. They couldn't do anything offensively. They relied on their defense and interceptions. Well, Louisville's offense is under a first-year head coach. They're not to the level they're going to be. They're not on the same level as Washington, as Michigan, as uh, Texas, or even as uh, Alabama on offense yet. 
So I don't think it would have even been a close game. It just would have been a blowout. Like it, and it still may be. We still may get a blowout. You never know. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout between Michigan and Alabama. I think that's going to probably be the best game. I do think Washington beats Texas, and I think it's going to be Washington and Alabama in the championship. Roll Tide, baby. And I, you know, the thing about Florida State is I, I think the I think the committee made the right decision leaving them out. I think Florida State and their fans have every right to be pissed. Correct. Um, <laughs> you know, they have every right to be pissed off uh, because, yes, it sucks. You did everything you could. Um, you went up against a lousy Louisville team in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when you go into when you go into that game if you're Florida State you have to know that you have your back against the wall you have got to come out of that game looking like you can mm-hmm. still hang with the big boys and they just didn't they no. looked pitiful so so I got I I, I want to bring this up because I I found this to be very interesting and I I I never looked at NIL like this <clears throat> and I want to hear y'all thoughts on this and then we can end the podcast because it is, it is, I don't want to be a hater. Uh, I want to be more of a congratulator, but I'm just trying to make understanding of it. So there's a wide receiver at Ohio state that's thinking about entering the draft. Well, they have made enough NIL deal money to keep him from entering the draft to pay him to stay in school. I'm interested to hear what y'all think about this. Like, I, I never thought that they'd use NIL for this particular reason. Like, hey, um, uh, can you please stay Marvin Harrison Jr.? That's who it is. Marvin Harrison Jr. is thinking about entering the draft at Ohio State. Well, they're, they got NIL deal money in upwards of 20 to 25 million for this one year. That's what it would have cost him had he went top 15 in the National Football League under his rookie contract in order for him to get him to come back. Are you guys okay with universities paying players to not go to the NFL draft and come back for another year like Schroeder at Colorado? Now, you know in any other situation, he's gone. He's gone. But because there's enough money for him to stay – Hunter in, included. There's a lot of players that are coming back for this reason. Do you think that this is why NIL deal money was put in place? Or do you think that it's the opposite effect and it's it's going to end up hurting the National Football League in the long run? I think it's a loophole that teams are going to use. And I'm all for NIL, but I, I said since the get-go, there needs to be a cap. So you can't have these type of things happen. Because you should not be able to buy a player to stay in another league, uh, another year. You shouldn't be able to buy another player from another team. Like that's that's just that's not what the NIL is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about using your likeness to make money, not to go to another team because they're going to pay you more money. That's free agency. That's not what the NIL is supposed to be. So I was a proponent since the beginning. There should be a cap. Now what that cap is, I think that's something that has to be figured out. But you should not be able to make $20 million to stay another year. Now, kudos to the kid. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think that's what it was intended for. And I think you'll eventually see that not happen. That will eventually be something that uh, the NCAA will put a stop to. And that's when you think I think caps or something will come get put in place because it makes no sense. And the NFL 
they're going to get pissed about it because now they're missing out on that talent. They're missing. They haven't wait on that talent. And what what's the when, what happens when the first time one of those top talents is gets hurt and drops off and not becomes that guy and that and the team that had the number one pick was going to take them or two they missed out. Like that's gonna that's gonna start to piss off the NC, the NFL. They're gonna come down on the NCAA and the NCAA is gonna do something. Gary, I I'm gonna tell you what bothers me. This is what gets me. If I'm paying you twenty to twenty five million dollars in NIL deal money, and this is the this is the only problem that I have, Gary. This is the only problem that I have, and then I'm a I'm a I'm a end it. I, I'm gonna stay on this hill. If I'm paying you twenty to twenty-five million, if I'm paying you millions of dollars, let's just say that, to perform in a year, there's no way in hell that I will ever agree with you sitting out a bowl game. Like Bo Nix, I'm pissed. There's no way that I'm gonna pay you to come back, not go to the draft, and then in one of the biggest games of the university, you're gonna decide to sit out because you're looking to protect your NFL future. I, is that I, but how do you stop that because they can't have an official contract that says you can't sit out yeah but I, but i'm i'm paying you a great deal of money gary you're paying for my likeness you're not paying for my play because oh that's what it is you're not paying for their play you're that's the loophole you're paying for their likeness not for them playing in the games hence that quarterback from texas got paid all this money in an nil deal and then walked away from football he got that money because they only paid for the likeness. They didn't pay pay for him to play. So that's what that's why I think it's a joke the way it's going right now because you're buying players and recruiting players and you're paying players like a free agency, but they could choose to walk away and then you have to pay them that money because you're paying for the likeness, not for them playing in the games. Well, here's here's my question to you guys. And I have to ask you guys because you guys are the only ones that I know that would have this uh, information. What is the difference from playing in college to playing in the NFL as far as your life, quality of life? Did you enjoy being in college or did you did you enjoy the freedom of the NFL more? Um, so so you're, you're talking about in not in the current climate or in our climate? Just what? Well, just so like so if, I, I given would, your I experience you, with it. I, I will tell you, and I will be honest with you, because Gary gonna probably lie to you. The best time I ever had playing football was in college, um, because in the National Football League, you're paid on on producing, on production. You're paid on production in the National Football League. Well, in college, you have so many games. You have 13, 12, 13 games, 11 games. When I say so many games and can still make a bowl game, as long as you have a winning record, you can make a bowl game. Well, in the National Football League, you're all fighting for one bowl game, and that's the Super Bowl game. So there's a there's a difference in terms of, of you can go to University of Memphis or you can go to a Power 5 school or you can go to a bowl game every year and have a successful career. You can go to the National Football League and not go to the uh, to the Super Bowl or the playoffs, and that's not considered having a successful career. So there's certain there's different things that you fight for, and there's different things. There's a it's a different test, or you're 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 graded different in college than you are in the National Football League, because not everybody in college or National Football they're not the best in the world at every position. So when you go out there and you perform, it's different. 
when you go out and you perform in the National Football League, every one of those men out there is professional at what they do. And they're, they're the best at their position. That's why they're there, which in turn makes you – you're playing at the highest level. So when you're in college and you're playing these guys and you're getting this type of money, dude, when you're playing those cupcake teams, you're playing me for a week that I could just chill. Yeah, so like I will say – like I disagree with the best time for football because for me it was high school. High school was the most fun <laughs> I ever had in football, not in college or pro. Um, college is good, obviously, because you are considered one of the best players on your team. If you're able to make it in the NFL, you were one of the best players on your team and one of the best players in college. So like you said, things came easier for you in college. Uh, and then there wasn't a lot of politicking behind the scenes business-wise like there is in NFL. College, you just got to be out the person next to you. NFL is not like that. You can be much better than the person behind you or, or in the same position and still not get to play because of politics and because the coach didn't draft you. He came in afterwards, all that kind of stuff. There's so many other factors that play in in the NFL. that, And you still have it somewhat in college. But in college, if you're one of the best players, like – the head coach is going to deal with it. Like they know you're going to, you're there NFL. You can be one of the best players, but they're not, they're not your guy. I don't need to play him. I'll just let his contract go or cut him. You can't do that in college. Just contract. You're getting a scholarship. And if he's producing every day and practice much better, you're just going to play him in the NFL. They don't care about that because they want their guys to produce because if the guys they pick produce, they keep their, their, uh, contract longer they stay a coach longer and they stay in longer so there's a lot of politicking and business in the nfl that ruins the enjoyment for players in the nfl because the coaches are looking out for themselves more than they are the players which rightfully so that's their job but it screws so many players there's so many players that don't get a shot and don't even get an opportunity because of the situation they get put in the nfl college you get put in a position you're competing against the person who's at the same position if you're better you're gonna play there's not politicking in that in that aspect because you may not have been recruited, but if you're better than the other guy, you're still going to play. It doesn't matter because they're still going to have their job. They're going to keep going, and they have to keep your scholarship. But they can cut you in the NFL. It doesn't matter. It's ruthless. Which you, sucks a lot you, of the uh, fun out of football. Well, here's my question. Do you guys think, and maybe you, you won't be able to say because, like you said, you've never experienced this climate. Do you think that more pressure comes starts to come on to players in college to have these NIL deals because there is more yes. pressure because it's yes. attached that's to your why, performance more so now? Um, that's why when the transfer portal opens, everybody hit the transfer portal. I saw that there was a was hundred and something a red devil that hit it. They start like Gabriel, yeah, uh, the quarterback. They hit. Yeah, it was a lot of people that was upset that. Well, I, I I don't I'm not sure if it was one of his teammates that posted it. It was like, yeah, he up out of here. But I saw a video and I, I I was like, man, this is this is very interesting. Like our backup quarterback at Memphis, he's leaving, he's going somewhere else. So it's it's it always fascinates me now with the current climate and understanding it because back in the days you didn't want to leave because you had to sit out a year. Well, now I could transfer and I could play whether I'm transferring up or whether I'm transferring down, and it depends on how much money you're offering me once I hit this portal. I know that I'm going to get a check when I start playing football. So That's the most magical part about the portal is that it is a portal to cash. Portal free agency, baby. Uh, To answer your question, though, Time, 
I don't think it's going to put more pressure on players because, like I said, the NIL is not pertaining to what you do on the field or what you, uh, how many games you play. It's only paying for your lightness. That's the loophole. Well, yeah, but, so but what I'm saying is, it's your your how you play on the field translates to how many people want to use your likeness and how much they'll. No, pay I agree. Your but like, imagine like. Marvin Harrison Jr. They got offered. They offered him twenty million dollars to come back. He could literally come back and have four catches. He's getting that twenty million dollars. There's no pressure on him anymore. So I, I think it actually relieves some of the pressure <laughs> once they get that big NIL deal. They don't have to perform because they're guaranteed that money no matter what. It's, Are you it's, saying it's, it's not, because the NFL is not guaranteed? Normally. Correct. So it's yeah. different. So like Marvin Harrison, his he his contract, if he got drafted, his signing bonus is guaranteed. Nothing else is. Maybe his first year. After that, he could be cut and make nothing. But that $20 million that they offered him, if he took it, he's guaranteed that whether he plays one game or no games, he's guaranteed that money. So there's no all that pressure's off because it's a likeness deal, not a performance and not a play deal like the NFL is. Everything in the NFL is based off your play and performance. College is based off your likeness, so they can't rescind that money like that. So it, that's that's why I think it's it's actually less pressure for players once they get it. Yeah, there may be pressure to get that money when they transfer or in the, in the NIL, but once they get it, I think that pressure is gone. It'll be interesting to see for sure. It'll be interesting Very to see. I, I don't think he stays personally. Now, if they come up with $20 million, he should 100% stay. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's that's a no-brainer. But if they come up with $20 million a year, Gary, are you staying the entire college career? Well, yes. Yeah. But I, I want agree. that in writing first. Like, I want that NIL, hey, we're going to give you 20 years for each – 20 million each year for the remaining two years you have. Lock it in. So that's 40 million guaranteed. That way, if I get hurt, I'm still getting that 40 mil. Damn, Gary. Yeah. Now we're talking about NFL money to but play that's amateur what they're, that's football. What that's, that's, that's why I Dark. disagree with the way of an open checkbook NIL for energy. There's just got to be a cap. Or we go back to if you're getting NIL and you go to another school, you sit out a year. It stops the one year and go somewhere else to get paid for one year. I, it stops that from happening if you just put that in place. The, the, you just have to figure out some kind of balance to p- keep this stuff in check. You don't got to stop it. Obviously, I'm all for the players getting paid, but not $20 million to stay another year. That's just outrageous. I agree. I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Uh, just one thing, though, Gary. Just, just one thing. I don't need time to answer this, but I just wanna, I just wanna hear it because it soothes my soul. I hate you. I want you to tell me who is the number one team in the National Football League from the NFC. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and we're out, guys. And we're out. Bang, bang, Niner gang. (laughs) You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage.